Today's guest, Republican political consultant Brad Presnell, predicts where the next presidential race is headed on the special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and the deep state and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 374 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Friday, April 21st, 2023. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because I think it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, click on the button that says Become a Patron, and we really appreciate all of our patrons. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. And make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland, which drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Our guest today is Brad Presnell, a gentleman from Alabama who has consulted a number of successful Republican political campaigns. Brother Presnell, thank you for coming on the program. How are you today? Well, thank you for having me, Doc. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me, and I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing out there? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Let's jump right into it. There seem to be two different viewpoints about what the Biden regime is trying to do to former President Donald Trump. On the one hand, the idea is that the indictments, because I think they're more coming, are designed to encourage more people to turn out to support President Trump in next year's Republican presidential primaries, thus making him the nominee again, which Democrats, rightly or wrongly, want to see because they think he would be the easiest candidate to beat in the general election. The other theory is that they actually want to see him go to prison in the hopes he would not be able to run for president because the Biden DOJ is intent on punishing the political opponents of the regime. Do you think one of these two theories is more credible than the other? I really don't, Doc. I think at this point and during the whole election season, uh, a lot of that is remains to be seen. Uh, we know the history with Donald Trump and the liberals and the, the Democrats and the mainstream media that they've been trying to get him since he came down the escalator back in 2015. Yeah. There is some thought in circles that the Democrats are more worried about a DeSantis versus Biden race, but they know that if Trump were to win, he has proven that what he can and will do to put America first, and frankly, the Democrats don't want America first. They want their agenda first, and what is best for America never enters their mind. I think many Democrats think that on on some level they could control a President DeSantis, but they know they can't control Trump. So winning the uh, presidency again for Trump is their ultimate nightmare. They would love to put him in jail, yes. 
I do see what you're saying about there's thoughts about, well, uh, President Trump is, is this or that, or could we beat him, or maybe we couldn't beat him. And I think maybe the Democrats haven't really made up their mind on that. But as, as far as the indictment, you know, people inherently don't like to see others being railroaded. And I think most people see that Trump is being railroaded, and that includes a good many of his detractors. Yeah. And as you, as you see, Doc, uh, before the indictment, Trump's campaign was a little sluggish. It didn't seem to be as aggressive as we know that Trump can be. But maybe his mind was on his legal issues, and really you can't blame him for that. Yeah. But since the indictment, that seems to have charged his campaign up, and he has received well over $20 million in donations since that day. And many of those are new donors and small donations, which is, of course, always a great thing for a candidate. So this will bring a decent amount of new voters into his camp who see the legal issues as nothing more than a ploy uh, to charge him where he can't run for president. So that's a long, convoluted answer to your question. Sure. No, and that's fine. Um, A lot of us think, and I think, that the the New York City indictment is eventually, those charges are eventually going to be um, thrown out. CNN, the day that uh, the indictment was uh, unveiled and, and Trump made his um, appearance in the New York City courtroom, CNN had just a table full of legal uh, commentators. And if even CNN says, there doesn't really look to be much here. You know, there's no underlying crime. What are we even dealing with? Then one would think at some level, a higher court, it might have to go all the way to the Supreme Court, but we'll say there's nothing here and that will be thrown out. I think for people who've really been paying attention, the concern is going to be if he gets indicted in D.C., if he gets indicted in Atlanta, but especially D.C., where you have something like a 92 percent of the jury pool voted for Biden, and they've been throwing uh, January 6 defendants, some of whom didn't even go in the Capitol in prison uh, because you know it's tribal. It's not about evidence. It's not about justice. It's about we're going to punish our enemies. And so the real concern is is for a lot of us, I think, is what would happen to D.C. Right, and I think there's a lot of home cooking going along with uh, D.A. Alvin Bragg and the judges in New York. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the next time that Trump is scheduled to appear would be December. Yeah. And then the trial would supposedly uh, start in January, right in the middle of hot and heavy primary and caucus season where the president needs to be out campaigning. You would think out of respect, which I know they give no respect to Republicans, but out of respect, they would fast track this and let it come to a head quicker rather than later. But again, they're trying to clog up the wheels and do everything they can to just get him off his game. And it's pathetic. Yeah, it is. And it was noteworthy that the judge said, look, uh, we don't want to fool around here time-wise. I, I want this on an expedited track. And then says next hearing is December, which was, you know, just a total contradiction. It's ridiculous. Also, if I understand correctly, um, uh, Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, is subpoenaing um, any correspondence between Alvin Bragg's office and Biden's DOJ. And a lot of people have noticed there's a guy named Pomeranz that was brought into Alvin Bragg's office from Biden's DOJ to kind of run this whole thing. 
um, in, in the same sense that Lisa Monaco actually is running DOJ and, and Merrick Garland is just a figurehead. A lot of people are saying uh, Pomeranz is running this thing and Alvin Bragg is is only a figurehead. So there's a big um, legal brouhaha apparently over trying to subpoena uh, the records and just see uh, what the collusion might be with uh, Biden's DOJ. Yes, and to piggyback on what you said about uh, the time frame, you would think that they could go ahead and do everything uh, today, so to speak, or tomorrow, because they're not prosecuting anybody else in New York State, it seems like. They let the criminals run rapid up there. Unless you have an R in front of your name or you're a conservative, it just seems like there's a different set of justice rules for uh, us versus them. So I don't really understand the pushing them back, but it's all strategic. It's all strategic to hurt the Republican party to hurt uh, conservatives to hurt everything we stand for donald trump just has to be the poster boy of it because of course his background being former president and what he would do if he were elected again yeah. so we see through everything that's happening I, I think they think we're stupid doc that we don't see this i mean the american people are not idiots they see what's happening so that's what, back to another reason why donald trump's campaign has been energized and i think it will be continued to energize over the coming months and the more we hear about this travesty of justice um well yeah one, one would hope so now the first republican presidential primary is scheduled to take place in milwaukee sometime in august i haven't been able to find an exact date but but that's probably less than four months away um a lot of people don't realize how quickly time is flying and how we're really getting into you know, presidential race uh, season, who do you think is going to be on that stage? Well, just today, uh, Doc, a new poll was released from Harvard-Harris, which shows Trump with a 35-point lead over DeSantis, basically 55 to 20, with Mike Pence at 7, Nikki Haley at 4, Vivek Ramaswamy at 2, and the others that have announced are not even polling at this point. I don't know what the cutoff will be uh, like it was before. There's you know 20 people in this race. They can't get 20 people on the stage. They may have two nights of debates. So I really don't know what the debate commission is going to come up with. Uh, at this point, Tim Scott and Asa Hutchinson didn't have enough support to make the list. That probably will change with time. Uh, it was interesting to me, Doc, that Mike Pompeo and Glenn Youngkin came out very recently and said that they were not going to jump in the race. And as well, I guess about six weeks ago, both were gearing up to run. But they see that how this indictment has changed the complete dynamics of this race, and I think both of them are pretty smart to stay out of it. So I used to do local talk radio in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I first got to Little Rock in 2014. And uh, people at that point had no idea that, you know, a year later, Donald Trump was going to come down the gold escalator and, uh, you know, change everything. But I would get calls from listeners who would say, Doc, you know, I I hate to give you bad news. But with a sense of dread in their voice, they're like, but here's the deal. Hillary is going to be our next president, and there's nothing we can do about it. Doc, you don't understand We've uh, lived in Arkansas all our life. We've seen what they've gotten away with, et cetera, et cetera. And though none of them said it, I think that, um, 
I think they were assuming that somebody like Jeb Bush is probably going to be the nominee and would roll over for Hillary, and it's just a, a, a fait accompli. Um, and then it was, I guess, June or July of 2015, Trump enters the race and shakes everything up. So, Brad, what do you say to people who say it's still rather early? Uh, we, we get it that what is being done to Trump is unprecedented, uh, but it's still rather early, and and things could change by the time we get around to Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina early next year. Well, it's true on one hand that a month in politics is an eternity, and we yeah. have seen many politicians' fate turn on a dime and go exactly uh, 180 degrees the other way. So anything is possible at this point. However, the way we stand today, I just it just seems like to me that Trump is a freight train that's going to be hard to stop. Uh, of course, Ron DeSantis has not gotten in the race yet, and I assume when he gets in, uh, there will be a bump for him. But saying it's early, it may be early for Joe at Walmart, you know, shopping, buying groceries. But for somebody like you and me, we've been in this for a long time, and it's not early to us. So we're looking at it for a little bit different prism than the average voter. So before we know it, as you're right, we'll, we'll be at the first debate, we'll be at the first primary, we'll be at the first caucus. And starting a presidential campaign and getting everything in line that you need to do takes extreme amounts of time. Uh, from being able to uh, have your name on the ballot in 50 states, something like that that people just take for granted, that takes a lot of manpower and money to do. So I think we're going to get very soon off to a cutoff that where nobody else can really get in the race, uh, frankly, unless it's somebody like an Oprah that could get in the race that has the finances to put the money out there could get the support on the Democrat side. As far as the Republican side, I think we're probably getting down to the five or six or seven that's going to be the ones running. So you do expect DeSantis to get in the race? I do. I have been up and down wishy-washy on that from the contacts I have about him getting in, getting out. It's gone like a yo-yo at this point. It just seems like with the super PACs that are coming up, popping up, raising the amount of money, the fact that he has switched over two to three dozen of his uh, people in the governor's office and his former campaign staffers over to the Florida Republican Party's payroll. He's doing everything you need to do to get ready to run for president. So at this point, if he doesn't run, I would be surprised. Oh, including speaking recently in Iowa and South Carolina, right? Right. All right. Yeah, they, they have flags that they wave at us as, as voters and uh, political people that are trying to tell us, hey, I'm thinking about running. What do you think? So they're throwing a lot of things out there. So I think DeSantis, you know, he's already getting hit by the Trump super PAC. I mean, I know here in Alabama, they're running pretty heavy ad buys on that already. Uh, see it, of course, on the Fox stations. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like Trump, his part of his strategy may be to knock DeSantis out before he gets in, which is old school, which is where I come from, which is what I love. I mean, really think of this thing strategically. And if we can just get him out, Trump thinks, beforehand, let him rethink this. He's still a young man of 44. He could stay out in this term, come back at around 50 years of age, and run again and be an open seat. 
think there's a lot of good arguments to be made why DeSantis should not run now, frankly. Uh, he runs the risk of alienating Trump and being the, the butt of Trump jokes and, and nicknames and also hacking off a lot of Trump supporters if he goes hard at Trump. So I think there's there's a lot of things at play here, Doc, frankly. Yeah. And, of course, I'm not inside DeSantis' team, and, and, and you aren't either, so we can't say we know definitively what's going to happen. We just look at this strategically and the signals that are being shown to us. So what does it tell you that a couple of days ago, Donald Trump released a video urging DeSantis not to get in this time and – he hasn't made any comments like that about anybody else who is declared or is thinking about jumping in. Well, I, you know, I think Donald Trump is pragmatic in a way. He understands that out of all these people who are in the race and the people who have been rumored, really his only person that he has to be a little bit concerned about would be Governor DeSantis. Governor DeSantis has been riding a wave of success in Florida and naturally, Trump sees that. He's a very smart individual. Yeah. He sees him as his competitor. So what do you do in campaigns when you have a competitor? You you try to bring out contrasts and tell the public who, in your mind, that person is. And it's just good old-fashioned uh, bare-knuckle politics. And I think, yeah. ultimately, the Republican Party will come together after we lick our wounds. I mean, some of us will be for Trump. Some of us will be for DeSantis and others. And whoever wins, I hope we can all put it aside and we can get together and beat Joe Biden. Yeah, I mean, I haven't decided who I'm going to vote for in my state's primary. I, I definitely am planning on voting for whoever the nominee is in November of uh, next year. So let me ask you a couple of things that, that have gone on here with, I think, Trump's concern about DeSantis to, to set the stage, to give a little context. Um, so DeSantis signed a bill last year to make it against the law for teachers in public schools to talk to children kindergarten through third grade about transgender stuff, to talk to them about sex at all, really, uh, trying to stop the grooming of little kids to, to get into this, well, you know, I was born Johnny, but maybe I should be Mary. And Disney portrayed it as... Anti LGBTQ, you know, you're 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 uh, you're discriminating against our LGBTQ kindergarten through third graders, which is just insane. Florida State Legislature passes a law saying, you know, if you're going to be that way, if you're going to you Disney are going to come out in favor of the groomers, then we're going to rethink the fact that since 1967 you have controlled this big. Uh, plot of land in Florida and, and hardly paid any taxes and got your own police department. And, and you know, we're going to sunset that. We're going to take that away from you. And um, Disney has doubled down and tripled down. And now Trump the other day came out in favor of Disney. Uh, at the same time, um, Bud Light does this thing with this, uh, this guy who uh, – is pretending he's a preteen girl, and, and, and they thought, oh, this is fantastic. There's a big uh, boycott against Bud Light. And Donald Trump Jr. comes out and says, well, now, wait a minute. Anheuser-Busch gives a lot of money to us, so we, we shouldn't boycott him. Uh, do you think that these two things, Trump siding with Disney and Jr. siding with Anheuser-Busch, 
might be things that DeSantis might bring up should he get in the race and that, that would negatively affect the Trump campaign. Well, I think anything's possible. I think DeSantis, if he were smart, he would focus in on a handful of things instead of death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. You know, studies have shown that uh, people, when they're in the campaign mindset out in America, they only uh, retain two or three things about a candidate, pro or con. If you overload them with too many things, they just tune you out. Uh, Like Obama did in 2008, where he basically willed our country into a recession by telling everybody that the country was bad off and we were terrible and we didn't have any money and people were losing their jobs, all of which was a complete lie, but he willed people into doing it. So I think with DeSantis, he could use that as a card, of course, against Donald Trump. And I will add this, Doc, if I may. Glenn Youngkin, the governor of Virginia, who we just talked about a minute ago, is going to stay out of this race. Glenn Youngkin went into the governor's office in Virginia on a campaign platform of education, of being non-woke, of getting the politics out of the classroom, going back to the old school way of teaching. He had pretty much that lane to himself, in my opinion. That's He's a one-issue guy going in to Virginia. He could have been a one-issue guy going into this presidential race, but he chose not to get in. Yeah. So I think that is very telling that he feels like that, yeah, I had that lane, but also DeSantis is going to have a little bit of that lane. Others might chip out at it, and what else do I have to offer? These candidates have to offer more than one thing to voters, and you're right. The strategy here that DeSantis can use, it will be interesting. We already see what Trump's going to use against DeSantis, but as we go forward, it definitely will be interesting to see which route he decides to go. You know, that is a brilliant observation that a lot of voters who definitely consider themselves to be conservatives, you can do sensory overload if you give them too many different issues. You just kind of need to stick to two or three things at most, maybe just one thing. And that's because I talk to people all the time who they have lives, and they they can't be on Twitter all the time like I am looking at every little story that comes up. And so that is a great point, Brad, and I hadn't thought about that. Coming up, we will ask Republican consultant Brad Presnell what advice he would give Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. All right, look, if you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online. They'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com, pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase your vehicle online. If you have any questions, one of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, 
the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental USA, RedRiverAuto.com. You will be glad you did. Okay, I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, migraines? Well, the Arkansas Cervical Center might be able to help you even if you don't live in central Arkansas. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. Now, I had severe hay fever for 5 or 6 weeks every spring all my life. Had bad migraines year-round. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, the migraines went away, and they've never come back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, even migraines, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number again for your free consultation, 501-279-2009. Now, if you're outside central Arkansas, just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says Find a Doctor Near You, and I sure hope you can. As you probably know by now, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. And he has done it again. Introducing MyPillow 2.0. MyPillow 2.0 has a brand new temperature-regulating technology that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. MyPillow 2.0's new fabric dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a cooler surface temperature. This new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature throughout the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. You know, your core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. MyPillow 2.0 was developed to provide a cool surface. It's engineered for comfort. MyPillow 2.0 is available in four loft levels. Machine washable and dryable, and there's a 10-year warranty. 60-day money-back guarantee. As a special introductory offer for my listeners, when you buy your new MyPillow 2.0, you get a second one free just by using promo code DWS. Mike also created the best bed sheets ever. They look great. They feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. My wife and I just love sleeping on our Giza Dreams sheets. Now, Mike is offering the best deal on his Giza Dream sheets. Buy a set of Giza sheets, get one free. The first night you sleep on these sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. Mike is making a special offer for my listeners. Buy a set of Giza sheets, get one free, just by using promo code DWS. MyPillow also has blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles, like plush, waffle, or gossamer. 
Get huge discounts on blankets, duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. Use that promo code DWS and you'll get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding, including my pillow 2.0 and Giza Dream Sheets. Buy one, get one free. Now I'm wearing my new My Slippers moccasins. I had no idea slippers could feel this good. Right now, save big on my slippers, slip-ons, and moccasins. Close out sale price at just $25 by using promo code DWS. Not only that, Mike is having the biggest closeout sale ever on his sandals for just $19.98. What makes my slippers different is Mike's exclusive four-layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My slippers' patented layers make them ultra-comfortable, extremely durable, and they help reduce stress on your feet. Wear them anytime, anywhere. Just use promo code DWS. Now remember, that promo code does not stand for washed-up Democrat politician Debbie Wasserman Schultz. No, no, no. It stands for Doc Washburn Show, MyPillow.com. Quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. Now we continue with our interview with Republican consultant Brad Presnell. Let me ask you a hypothetical here. Because Trump has hired people that used to work for the Bushes and, and DeSantis has people uh, working for him or, you know, strongly supporting him that used to be 100% Trump. If you were hired by De- Ron DeSantis saying, hey, yeah, you're a political consultant. I want you to come work for me. And you had to craft a message for him. What do you think? Or, or, or would you just say, no, I'm sorry. I just can't do this. I just don't think it's right. You shouldn't run this year. You know, I'll give you that option. But if the option was, yeah, okay, DeSantis, you're a good guy. I'll come work for you. What would you say the strongest point was that he could make against Trump if he, running this year? Well, I'd like to peel back one thing you said first, if I may. Yeah. Consultants, many of them are wired to talking people in to run for office, even when they know they cannot win, basically to get a paycheck. Yeah, It's unfortunate, but it happens quite often. I think everybody that's surrounding Ron DeSantis now are pushing him to run. We could probably count on one or two fingers the people that would say, well, what we talked about a a second ago, well, basically, is you're a young man, stay out. These are the reasons why you should stay out this time. You you could run again before your days of 50, and you'll have an open seat, and you'll have a better chance, and you won't have all the, the Trump uh, how should I say it? All the Trump negativity thrown on you during this campaign. Yeah. So first of all, he has a lot of people in his ears telling him we can raise money, we can do this. Trump's not as powerful as he is because they're from a consultant mindset. And that's probably what I would say to him. I would say, well, have you really considered staying out? And if so, why are you running versus staying out? And I'd just like to have a conversation. But as far as if I were working for him, I would basically just kind of overall say this was the past. Trump did a great job. It's time to move on. It's time for a new generation. I think that's what they're saying, and it's a pretty smart uh, tactical uh, strategy. However, he's running into the fact that Donald Trump, in four years, 
was extremely successful, arguably the most successful Republican president we've ever had as far as getting things done. His list of accomplishments, if you go on that page on your computer, is about seven or eight pages long in a small font. Yeah. I mean, you cannot uh, underestimate what he did in four years. So he has a proven record. Ron DeSantis has done a fine job as Florida governor, but we don't know what he'll do on the national stage. So... That's something to, to to be broached with him about yeah. that. Yeah, no, that that makes sense, and I'm glad you pointed out uh, the whole point that most listeners never think about, which is consultants in the ear of a governor telling him, "You got this. You can be the next president." And I want to make uh, an example that I tell people about frequently. Back in 2016, when there were 16 candidates, there are a couple of Republican governors running for the Republican nomination for president in 2016 who didn't last very long, but who had been very successful in their successive states. Uh, Scott Walker, Wisconsin, Bobby Jindal, Louisiana, had both been very successful governors, probably, probably would both have made good presidents. Bobby Jindal, I think, has an IQ that's just off the charts. He's a genius. It's amazing when you look at his resume to see what he was able to accomplish at a very young age. However, both of them were terrible candidates because in front of a TV camera, they just had no personality, no emotion. And if you can't come across on television you can't get elected president. You can't even get the nomination. But I guarantee you, they both had consultants in their ears saying, you got this, man. Look look at what you did in your state. This is this is a slam dunk. You got this. Um, and, oh, by the way, is that the check? It's going to clear? Great. Um, so I, I think you make a really good point there that a lot of people never think about. And two, when you have somebody on the stage with you like a Donald Trump that completely just takes the air out of the entire room, yeah. if you are more of a policy-driven candidate, you're going to completely be overwhelmed. And everybody that's sitting at home watching that debate, their eyes are going to go to the, the person who's the most uh, vivacious and more, most charismatic, somebody like a Ben Carson, who there were jokes made about him, you know, you know, during the, during the, one of the first debates, Ben Carson was up there and people were tweeting constantly, is Ben Carson asleep? Wake up Ben Carson because he was so quiet and, and so reserved and laid back. And I don't think anybody could argue the intelligence of Dr. Ben Carson. And he's great on the issues and policies. However, there's more to that when you run for president. Now, I had the honor and distinction of working for Governor Mike Huckabee, both of his presidential campaigns. And Governor Huckabee is a gifted speaker. Yeah. He's, he's very intelligent. He, your eyes go to him whenever he talks. And he could frame things that keep you interested. Many of those other candidates do not have that gift. And, of course, Donald Trump has it in spades. Oh, yeah, he, he does. Now, something I've noticed, when Trump does rallies, when he brings up Operation Warp Speed and the vaccines, his own people boo him. But he is stuck on this, regardless of everything that comes out. He is stuck on this. No, I saved millions of lives. The vaccines are a good thing. No matter what comes out about him, he's not going to change uh, his tact on that. 
And the way I look at it, he had led us to an unprecedented successful economy until the middle of March 2020 when he basically gave the keys to Anthony Fauci and Deborah Burks, and they laid the foundation for the Democrats to be able to do all kinds of funky stuff uh, in some swing states. Uh, we're going to have uh, drop boxes and mail-in ballots and all this kind of stuff, uh, which led to his you know, uh, losing in, in, in 2020. Um, and the vaccines, you know, especially, you know, vaccine mandates, but the vaccines themselves are not very popular with his base. And yet, even though he is, will not back down, will not apologize for any of that. If regardless of what happened starting in March, 2020, he is still popular with his base I don't see how you can touch the guy. If, if if that's not enough for people to go, okay, wait a minute, I supported him wholeheartedly 2016 and 2020, but this is a bridge too far. If that's not enough to take away some of his popularity with his base, I don't know what would. And I think, Doc, I think people recognize looking backwards that when that happened to our country, an attack from China, that many of us said that this was an attack when it happened, and we were, of course, completely labeled as wackos and lunatics. But Donald Trump, as strong as a character and personality that he is, and as intelligent of a man he is, he still was having to deal with something that was unprecedented uh, on this scale, actually, you know, you can go back to the to the flu epidemic in the early 1900s, but it, of course, was nothing like this. Yeah. So he had a lot of pressure on him. He had to make a lot of decisions. I think he did the best that he could with what the information he was getting at the time. I think going in, uh, Anthony Fauci and, and Burks, like you said, and some of these people that were advising him, there comes a time where you and I, we may be an expert on gardening or something, but if we need to put in water lines to our house, we call in experts and we, we decide, let them make the decisions because everything is compartmentalized where you have to at some point trust other people. And I think it just got kind of a rolling stone where it, people got more and more scared and all the crazy things that happened. And it, it's just very unfortunate. Yeah. And, of course, Biden and the Democrats did use it against him, like oh, you yeah. said, with yeah. the voting. I mean, that was just unbelievable. And they'd still do it today if they could. Oh, yeah. If they had it their way, if they had their way, we would never – We'd never leave our house, and everybody could vote from the Internet or do a drop box or whatever, and we'd never win another election again as long as we live. So it's just, of course, that's another topic, but absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And, you know, I, I hate to think what I might have done if I was in Donald Trump's uh, position. Um, a, a member of my family, I'm not going to be any more specific than that, is an epidemiologist who was warning me in early 2020. Um, and this person, you know, still, still, uh, thinks that COVID was as big a deal as we were being told, still thinks the vaccines are a good idea. Um, I, you know, after a while, you know, after a month or two by, by late spring, I was like, okay, wait a minute. We're being sold a bill of goods here. Um, but I don't think any of us could say what we would have done 
if, you know, any of us was president of the United States and Fauci and Burks are coming to the Oval Office saying, Mr. President, um, you know, millions of people could die. And, you know, here's the deal. Uh, not, not knowing, you know, Fauci's checkered past, not knowing all the stuff he was into. Um, you know, I recently found out that, that Burks was basically in charge. A lot of people think Fauci was in charge. Burks was in charge. And it took Scott Atlas several months to find out how she got her job. And that's a whole other show for a whole other day. But it's something worth looking into. So something more recent here has come out uh, that former CIA director Mike Morrell has admitted under oath in Congress that Anthony Blinken reached out to him and got him to put together this the the other fifty uh, former Intel officials to lie and say that the uh, Hunter Biden laptop was uh, had all the classic signs of uh, Russian Intel disinformation. Uh, and they all knew it was a lie. And they, and Mike Morrell has said under oath he did it because he wanted Biden to get elected president. And to me, that is a slam dunk, um, obvious evidence of uh, election in, election interference. But is it logical, is it reasonable to think anybody is ever going to be held accountable for that? No, because it doesn't seem like anybody is ever held accountable for anything unless you just happen to be in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, yeah. and then they'll hunt you down like a dog. But, <laughs> you know, it is really sad, Doc, that we have to uh, – how should I put this? We have to acknowledge what Donald Trump was saying about the deep state, Yeah, about how invasive, how corrupt – how crooked, how these bureaucrats, these unelected bureaucrats, these Washingtonians who have been up there for decades are running the federal government and they are so ensconced in the power structure that they're the ones calling the shots and they are unaccountable to the American people. That they're really the the person behind the curtain. So when you have all these players, like you mentioned, that are doing all these acts, to get to a certain outcome, and as a conservative and as a Republican, we don't have a way truly to stop them. It's frightening. It really is. Yeah, it is. And recently, Donald Trump said in an interview that he's still not sure whether um, it was a mistake uh, to uh, to nominate Christopher Ray to be FBI director. He says he thinks it was, you know, a good idea to take Chris Christie's advice on that. He thinks it's a positive that the Democrats wanted Christopher Ray too. And most people don't know that he said that because most people, like we said earlier in this interview, have lives. But people who want to support Trump see that, and it's just maddening because they're thinking, okay, wait, he wants to go against the deep state, but has he learned anything from you know, the way he vetted some of the personnel uh, that he put into positions uh, of, of power. Your, your thoughts? I think you're right on that. I, I believe when Donald Trump was first elected and they were going during the transition period there in November and December before he took office, 
He did not understand at the level of corruption and the deep state actors that would come at him and who basically hate the American people. And I think with time, he learned that. Uh, Of course, there were some uh, criticisms that he did not appoint enough people quick enough. He left too many Obama people in certain positions of power. Uh, I think that is a fair criticism. Uh, But also, there comes a point where you have to depend on those around you as a president to bring these things to your uh, attention and to take care of them. And a lot of the people he brought with him were not government people, which actually helped in a way, fresh people that weren't part of the problem. But then some of them just really were in over their heads. So I think this time around, I think uh, just like any of us, if we do a job and then we leave it and we go back, most of the time we're better than we were the time before. And I think he would go in with a little bit different mindset. I think he would still go in on day one running and redoing all these executive orders that Biden took off. I just think at this point, we need somebody like Trump. But when we have Trump, I think that's who we need at this point. I have nothing against Governor DeSantis, but I know what Donald Trump will do. And the level of evil that we are dealing with, Doc, in this country, from cities to school systems to local municipalities to crime to the deep state and everything in between, we need somebody in there that can match that and is not afraid to. Yeah, well, uh, no question about that. And, And I like to think that either Trump or DeSantis would do that, um, but I understand the people who say that you know DeSantis should should wait four years and and continue doing great things in Florida and for that matter he is so successful and so popular in Florida that if he didn't get elected president uh, whether he runs or not I and I I've heard nobody say this but I wouldn't be surprised if the legislature might say hey uh, let's change the law and allow a third term for governor. So, yeah. so he wouldn't be, you know, so he wouldn't be uh, term limited out and, and, and be leaving office January 2027. Um, that would not be a bad thing. Uh, but, but anyway, um, one thing that's been bothering me, and I certainly don't want to um, uh, dissuade anybody from voting next year, but I've asked this question to some different people, I asked General Mike Flynn, I said, okay, it, it, it's it's my belief that when they stop counting on election night 2020 in several swing states, and then all of a sudden you had hundreds of thousands of Biden votes show up in the middle of the night, it's my belief that the election was stolen. And, and if they don't fix what allowed this in Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, possibly even Nevada, would it even be possible to elect a Republican president next year, regardless who the nominee is? General Flynn said, nope, not a chance. Cash Patel said, yes, it will be possible because we're going to do the ballot harvesting and all this kind of stuff, and we're going to beat them at their own game. Uh, what, what, what is it like to you? And one of the reasons I ask this is because on social media, so many people have so much emotional uh, investment in Ron versus Don for president. I'm like, guys, 
are, are we missing the elephant in the room here? Because we're going to have to do something to swing states or it's not going to matter who the nominee is. What, what is your, your thought on that? Well, I think one thing that kind of goes overlooked, Doc, is in these swing states, we have to put somebody in as Secretary of State yeah. in the elections division in these probate judge positions in these courthouses all over the state, people that are honest, people that are there for the right reasons, and that's the problem as far as the, the the ballot harvesting, the putting the thumb on the scale, so to speak, what we saw in Philadelphia, once those ballots leave a voting place headed to places unknown, what happens to those in the back of a Chevrolet pickup truck before they get to where they're going? That is something that the American people, they have questions about and they don't trust, and rightfully so. So we have to do all we can as Republicans to elect people in courthouses because people say, well, I don't vote on anything but the president. I vote every year and I vote for the president and they'll vote for sheriff, but they don't care about the probate judge. They don't care about the secretary of state. Frankly, a lot of them don't know what they actually do and how important their positions are. We need to have better strategic communication with people saying, look, this is important. Who your probate judge does matter. Who your local election official is does matter, and and build it from the ground up instead of from the top down in some of these swing states. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It is extremely important to have local uh, elected officials who are honest and who are trustworthy. Coming up, we'll ask political consultant Brad Presnell if a certain former Republican governor's decision to run for president is evidence that he's lost his mind. Just ahead on the Doc Washburn Show. Now, have you heard AT&T recently lost billions of dollars on Wall Street after their satellite outfit, DirecTV, decided to delete Newsmax? If you want to drop AT&T or any of the big liberal cell phone carriers, I have the perfect solution for you. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know the big objection Oh, no, changing my wireless carrier, changing my cell phone provider is just too complicated. It's too time-consuming. Wrong. It usually only takes 15 or 20 minutes to switch over to Patriot Mobile. And let me tell you something. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. And Patriot Mobile guarantees your coverage. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes as well as multi-line users. I know I'm saving money with Patriot Mobile. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. 
and make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Now, the great Ronald Reagan once said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? Here are five profound benefits. Number one, investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. That means precious metals are an asset, commodity, or currency that maintain their value without depreciating over the long haul. Last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. So we're honored to join forces with Beverly Hills Precious Metals and its owner, Andrew Sorcini. Andrew Sorcini has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Andrew and his team of Beverly Hills Precious Metals know the gold and silver business inside and out. After many years in the markets and collecting precious metals privately, Andrew opened Beverly Hills Precious Metals back in 2010 to bring precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. Now, we found out about Andrew Sorcini and Beverly Hills Precious Metals from General Michael Flynn, and we're glad we did. Andrew is a frequent guest on conservative podcasts. Beverly Hills Precious Metals is our gold buyer of choice. To learn more about Andrew and his team, go to bh-pm.com. The BH stands for Beverly Hills. The PM stands for Precious Metals. bh-pm.com. Now, if you can't remember that, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. No matter what search engine you use, it's the first thing that comes up. Make sure you ask about the General Mike Flynn silver coin. Let him know Doc Washburn sent you. We're honored to be able to tell you about Beverly Hills Precious Metals in an effort to help you in your attempts to protect your family's finances, wealth, and investments. bh-pm.com or Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals and tell them Doc Washburn sent you. Now we continue with our interview with Republican consultant Brad Presnell. The state that I live in, Arkansas, has, well, there, there's a recent study that came out saying the, the lowest voter participation in the country, I think we're like 44th for voter registration. And, um, you know, I was running for a statewide office uh, a year ago, and I would always be shocked when people did not realize that you have two United States senators who both represent the whole state because I'd have somebody tell me, oh, I'm, I'm not in John Bozeman's district. I'm in Tom Cotton's district. And I would say, well, no, actually, you're, you're pretty much in both. So it, it, it just – and it's not their fault. Uh, I guess, you know, we don't teach civics very much in, in public school anymore. Um, Absolutely. But that goes back to your other point that when you're running for a big office – you better not throw too many things at them because people have lives and you just confuse them and, 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 and they're going to, they're going to tune you out. Um, so what do you think that this country could do, um, to get people more interested in following politics? Because as the great Rush Limbaugh used to say, 
if Democrats running for office were actually honest about what they wanted to do, a lot of their voters would not vote for them, but they, they don't know any better. Well, that's the $100 million question. If I had the perfect answer for that, I would be a wealthy man. <laughs> but yeah. part of what I do is, is messaging and strategic communication is we try to figure out ways to do that. Uh, I will have to give it to the Democrats and the liberals that they do basically own the footprint of social media. We're late to the party on that. We need to be more involved and find a way to communicate our ideas better than we do. Uh, I was talking to a friend the other day who is semi-plugged in, and I was very distraught to hear him say, well, what's going on with Donald Trump? Do you think he's going to run this time? And I just kind of looked at him like a deer in the headlights, like, where have you been? What cave have you been in for the past, I don't know, year or two? And then we were talking a little bit more, and I said, talked about the crime, how the crime in the country has exploded. Yeah. And the fact here in Alabama, uh, we have a relatively low crime rate in the rural areas, but if you go to the cities, some of the cities, especially Birmingham, Montgomery, and Mobile, are jungles. Yeah. You're, you're running the risk of having you or your wife or your children killed if you fill up with gas. And he was like, well, I don't ever feel unsafe or I don't, and I'm like, why is he not plugged into this? And then I found out, A, he doesn't watch the news, the local news. He doesn't watch the national news because he doesn't like negativity, and he's not plugged into social media. But yet he's a conservative Christian guy who would vote the right way every time. So that is the disconnect that we're going to have to find a way, a better way as a party and as conservatives to communicate our message out better than we currently do. Uh, no question about it. Well, it just, you know, I, I get into arguments on social media with uh, liberal pro-abortion people all the time, and they'll say things like, well, you're not pro-life, you're just pro-birth. You don't care what happens to the, uh, the babies and the mothers after they are born. And I'll say, oh, so the 3,500 pregnancy resource centers that exist all over this country that help mothers and babies for years after the child is born. Uh, they don't exist in your world. Cool story, bro. But then I have run into um, conservative pro-life Christians uh, who have been conservative pro-life Christians for many, many years who have never heard of pregnancy resource centers. They don't know they mm -hmm. exist. I mean, much less secular reporters. We, we had a pregnancy resource center a few years ago uh, there was an electrical short, and it burned down. It was right across the street from the abortion clinic. And I was talking to a local TV reporter in Little Rock, Arkansas, who said, now, apparently, the place that burned down doesn't actually perform abortions. And I said, well, no. They're across the street from the abortion clinic because they're trying to help uh, encourage mothers to keep their babies. And that was just a revelation. He'd never heard of anything like that. So there are a lot of good things going on in this country that somehow or another don't get the PR they deserve? Well, we don't get the earned media, Doc, that the Democrats do. Uh, of course, we have Fox News and Newsmax and, of course, conservative talk radio hosts like yourself who, who try their best to educate people. But there comes a time where, you know, if, if Brett Baer on at 5 o'clock on a Fox, you know, I watch him, try to watch him every day. Yeah. But his numbers... And a lot of the Fox numbers on the news part 
they are dwarfed by the nightly news on CBS, NBC, ABC many times. So there's still a big audience of good people that watch these liberal stations because they don't know any better or they're believing the line of Fox is uh, uh, the devil or whatever. Yeah. So again, it gets down to communication. Yeah, I, I was at a wedding last summer, extended family, and I met a whole bunch of uh, folks from the uh, from the, the, the bride's family that I'd never met before. And um, some of them tended to uh, trend liberal in politics. And this was right after Nancy Pelosi's husband had been attacked by this guy, and we still don't know the full story, but... The gentleman that I was talking to was an avid NPR listener, and when he found out I did conservative talk radio, he was asking me with legitimate, sincere concern if some of the rhetoric needed to be toned down because NPR was presenting the attacker as a conservative political type who was upset with the Pelosi's. And I said, well, you know, the weird thing about that is that and this guy had spent some time in California. So I said, the weird thing about that is that the attacker is actually a Green Party guy, a nudist activist who uh, lived in the uh, the Castro district there in, in the Bay Area, and so he knew what that meant. And so he's, his reaction was, wow, so the conservative rhetoric on talk radio is even affecting guys like this. It would, it, I, you know, and I can't get in an argument at a reception after a wedding, you know? And so, I mean, it would not occur to him that NPR might be shading the truth. I mean, he's got to see it through the grid of the news is sacrosanct, the news is legit. Uh, so, you know, he's uh, turning himself into a pretzel mentally. And, and NPR, of course, is funded by taxpayer dollars, yeah. where your show and others like yours is not. Yeah. It's funded by advertisers or yourself. So there's a big difference there. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. Well, look, before I let you run, since you did mention uh, that, of course, you had some experience uh, consulting uh, Governor Huckabee when he ran for president, we have a different Arkansas governor now who's decided that he, it would be a good idea to run for president. His name is Aza Hutchinson. Uh, you mentioned him briefly. Um, the last legislative session, uh, God bless him, the Republicans in the legislature, uh, passed a bill to try to protect children from transgender procedures. Uh, governor Hutchinson uh, vetoed the bill. Uh, he He was... His veto was overwhelmingly overridden by almost every Republican in the state legislature, and he went from being a very popular Republican governor of a red state to being a very unpopular Republican governor of a red state. Uh, he went on Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News, and Tucker Carlson uh, made him look quite foolish. What on earth can he be thinking that it would be a good idea to throw his hat in the ring for president of the United States? Well, I don't think there's a lane for Governor Hutchinson. Uh, he might get some of the Bush vote if it doesn't go to Nikki Haley, but who really at this point in a primary wants to be openly affiliated with the Bushes and the Karl Roves of the world and the establishment wing of the party? Yeah. 
And again, at this point in time, is the establishment vote enough to nationally win the party primary? I don't think so. So I think Governor Hutchinson and some others overestimate the anti-Trump vote within the primary. And I just, I really don't see a lane for him. And something like that that you just mentioned, that would come up. If he starts to get any traction whatsoever, Oh yeah, he'll get beat over the head with that. But at this point, him not even on the polls, on a lot of these uh, early polls that are being let out, like the one I mentioned earlier today, he'll probably slide through and nobody will really pay attention to him. But if he gets on the debate stage in August, uh, that's, it's possible that may come up. Yeah, I remember when he did that veto, almost immediately Donald Trump came out with a statement uh, just excoriating him. Uh, just saying what a horrible thing that was to veto a bill like that and what an improvement Sarah Huckabee Sanders was going to be. And she has certainly proved him right on that in her first hundred days of, uh, as governor of Arkansas. Uh, well, Brad Presnell, uh, I certainly appreciate you coming on the program today. We talked, you know, off the air before the show and we, we had no idea how long this was going to take, but uh, you've given some really, um, uh, wise and thought-provoking answers, and I can't thank you enough for being on the Doc Washburn Show today. And, of course, as we say here in the South, y'all come see us. Well, I appreciate you having me, Doc. Thank you very much. God bless you. Have a great day, brother. Thank you very much. You too. Wow. That was interesting. That was interesting. It is fun talking to somebody who does this for a living and is willing to shoot straight and call balls and strikes uh, no matter where they land. So that was fantastic. We'll have to do that again one of these days. All right, it's that time. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by Red River Auto, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online and have it have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. All right, uh, today, today is a two-parter tweet of the day, which we do sometimes. Sometimes somebody will be responding to somebody else's tweet. Catherine Herridge was... Probably the most respected investigative reporter at Fox News Channel for many, many years. And a few years ago, she went over to CBS News. And she has a new tweet out there this morning. And she's got a video clip, but she also is saying this. Days after a story about Hunter Biden's laptop in 2020, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, then a Biden campaign advisor, reached out to a former CIA official and, quote, set in motion the events that led, unquote, to a statement from intelligence officials, say House Republicans. All right. So here is the video clip from CBS Morning's CBS Morning News from this morning, Friday, April 21st, 2023. 
New developments in the congressional probe into Hunter Biden's business dealings. According to House Republicans, they're saying that former CIA Deputy Director Mike Morrell gave them new information about the origins of a letter from 50 former intelligence officials concerning Hunter Biden's laptop. That statement, you'll recall, was published in October of 2020, and it suggested possible Russian involvement in hacking the laptop's contents. Our senior investigative correspondent, Catherine Herridge, has more. I've never spoken much. In the final weeks of the 2020 presidential campaign, the New York Post reported on the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop, alleging he used his father's position for personal gain, a claim the president's son has denied. Less than a week later, more than 50 former intelligence officials released a statement that the laptop had all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. About the laptop from hell. At the final presidential debate, then-candidate Biden cited the letter from intel officials to push back against then-President Trump's attacks. There are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. They have said that this is has all the care. Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. According to a letter released Thursday night from the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees, former CIA Deputy Director Michael Morrell told congressional investigators the days after the laptop story, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, then a Biden campaign advisor, reached out to Morrell and set in motion the events that led to the intelligence officials' public statement. If they made an effort to manipulate intelligence officials to sign a letter uh, basically uh, misleading the public about the Hunter Biden laptop right before the election, that is a major, major political event. This comes after an IRS agent came forward this week alleging the investigation involving Hunter Biden's taxes has been improperly influenced for political reasons. The White House responded. The president uh, respects the rule of law uh, and, and the, the independence of the Department of Justice. We asked Morrell, who is a former CBS News contributor, if the characterization of his congressional interview is accurate, and he declined to comment. In a tweet, the White House accused House Republicans of weaponizing their power to relitigate the 2020 election rather than focus on the real problems Americans face. So, you can see how this is being framed by CBS. And by the way, Mike Morrell wasn't just... Uh, Deputy Director of the CIA. He was actually also Director of the CIA for a while. Interesting how it's being framed. Uh, the great Harold Finch over on Twitter, he uh, responded to this saying, okay, Catherine Herridge, House Republicans didn't say it. Former CIA Director Mike Morrell said it publicly under oath. That matters. It's an under oath admission. The Biden campaign asked the intelligence community to rig the presidential election in favor of Biden. And Jen Psaki is involved. Jen Psaki, who was an MSNBC employee, who also had Biden campaign involvement and became part of the administration pushing the lies both places were involved. Don't you think that bears scrutiny and mentioning as well given efforts 
to depose her on the stand in federal court in the Missouri versus Biden case about censorship and government disinformation, especially given the Biden administration's ridiculously strenuous efforts to prevent her being deposed in court under oath. I'd think that was pretty newsworthy. Catherine Herridge of CBS News. What about you? Uh, As I've said before, I don't know if anybody else is talking about this. One of the challenges of doing a podcast is that uh, I'm not on anybody's uh, presets on the radio in the car. And so I continue doing one of the things that I did in talk radio, which is come up with stories that other people in talk radio aren't talking about, that Fox News isn't talking about. And even for that matter, giving you insights into stories that they are talking about, but they don't have these insights. And so here we are 18 months into this thing and over half a million downloads. And they tell me that's good. And I'm thankful that God has given me uh, this opportunity. Very thankful. So you've been listening to episode 374 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us, contact at docwashburnshow.com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. And that's the way it is. Friday, April 21st, 2023.